You're listening to the Lost Mountain Podcast. Lost Mountain exists to help all kinds of people find and follow Jesus. We hope today's message encourages you towards a deeper relationship with Christ. If you have questions from today's message, email us at info at lmbc.us. Link is in the show notes. Well, good morning. All right. Can you believe it's already October? It's amazing. Less than three months until Christmas. Wow. A lot of you guys are looking at me and they're like, where's Jake? Where's Matt? What's this guy doing up on stage? Well, Jake is on vacation with his family and Matt and Sharon are visiting JC at Georgia College. So they're not here. You are stuck with me. An older man, I'm not going to say wiser, but, but I do tuck my shirt in. So there you go. There you go. So if you don't know me, my name's David Conley. Um, for the past few years, I've been working with our students here at Lost Mountain. We have any students in here? Uh, you guys are a whole lot more noisy on Wednesday and Sunday. Um, but yeah, I normally speak with them on Wednesday evenings and Sunday mornings. Um, but this morning, I get to speak to you guys, and I am really excited about that. So um, over the past few weeks, we've been in this sermon series called False Faith. Now, false faith is really uh, a faith that doesn't line up with what is taught in the Bible. False faith can look like real faith because it involves people who do, I'll call it Christian things. They go to church, they may own Bibles, they may pray before meals. But in reality, people living by a false faith don't really understand the gospel of Jesus. They are missing the true gospel, the gospel of Jesus. So, First question, what is this gospel Jesus had? So we'd like to look at Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. We got that? Should be on the screen. It's in the app. You can look it up in your Bible, but Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. And this is the gospel that Jesus taught as he went around proclaiming his message. We're there? Okay. So Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So to help us understand this gospel that Jesus preached, I want to look at a passage in Mark chapter 10. We'll start at verse 17. Now, this is a story that a lot of you are familiar with. It's the story of the rich young ruler. Yeah, I know. Most of the time we talk about the rich young ruler, we're talking about money, we're talking about wealth. And there's a lot of good things to get out of that that story about how we manage our money and how we handle our wealth. But we're going to take a little different turn this morning, um, and we're going to look at it um, by looking at the man and seeing how he was really missing the true gospel. Um, and we're going to talk about how the true gospel is really the answer to what is missing in our lives. The true gospel of Jesus is really the only way to gain eternal life. And the true gospel is really allowing God's power to work in our lives, okay? So I'd like to say a prayer real quick, and then we'll, we'll read the passage in Mark chapter 10. Lord, I thank you so much for bringing everybody here today, Father. I agree with what Tori said earlier. We're not here by chance. 
you brought us here for a purpose. And there are a lot of people here with, for a lot of different reasons, Father. Some are hurting, some are searching, some are questioning, Father. Um, and I just pray that as we read your word and talk through your word today, that you would penetrate our hearts and that you would inspire us to be the men and women that you want us to be. Father, thank you for all you've done. And I just pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Mark chapter 10, we're gonna start with verse 17 and we're gonna read through 27. All right, so here we go. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this point, at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around to his, and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. So we're going to take a, some time this morning and really kind of break down this story. And I really want to break it into four sections. The first section is the question. The second section is the invitation. The third is the response. And the last section is really the interaction Jesus has with his disciples. Okay, so let's jump down. We'll start with verse 17. We'll read that again and then talk about the question. So Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Um, so we, before we dig into that specific question, let's see what we know about this guy, about this this man that, that ran up to Jesus. First, we know he was rich, right? He was wealthy. If you look in Matthew's gospel, Matthew describes him as a young man. If you look in Luke's gospel, Luke describes him as a ruler, a leader, someone with authority, an official, someone with power. Um, hence, we get the title, Rich Young Ruler. Go figure. Um, but we also know when we read from, from the, these verses that he was a Jewish man. He'd been taught the Old Testament scriptures, and to the best of his knowledge, he'd kept them. Right? That's what it said. So that's what we know about him. But we can, we can know more about what's in his mind by his actions. Because if you look in verse 17, he ran to Jesus, fell on his knees, and called him good teacher. So in the Middle East, for a man to run, <laughs> that is uh, undignified, especially undignified for somebody of wealth, of prominence, of power, of influence. It just wasn't done. But this guy had something urgent on his mind. He was desperately wanting to get to Jesus, so he ran to him. He had something that was really weighing on his mind that he really wanted to get to Jesus. And when he got to him, 
He fell on his knees in front of him, showing a sign of being submissive. He was being respectful. He was reverent. Um, And then he called him good teacher, not just teacher. He called him good teacher because he realized he was special. He was different. He was extraordinary teacher. Okay? So here we have this man. He was rich. He was young. He was powerful. He was respected. He was religious. He was virtuous. You know, he probably did what he was supposed to do. He went to the synagogue. You know, other people thought he was doing things that Jews need to do. But something was on his mind. Something troubled him, and he was desperate and eager to get to Jesus. So he runs to Jesus, and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So what was weighing on this guy's mind so much? I think we get the answer in the question that he asks. Because based on the question, he didn't think what he'd been doing was good enough to inherit eternal life. Something was missing. He was wealthy, he was powerful, he was influential and virtuous, but he felt like he needed something more. He needed to do more. Something was missing. Now, if you keep in mind that the first century Jews, they were desperately waiting on the Messiah, right? They were waiting for this person to come that would be king and restore Israel to prominence. And undoubtedly, as a religious, as a virtuous Jew, this guy wanted to be part of God's kingdom. Um, so he, he runs to Jesus, but he feels like he is missing something. He's missing something. Now, again, this guy was rich, wealthy, influential. Um, and if there was normally, if there was something he wanted, if he was missing something, he could get it right. If he, if there was something he was missing and he really wanted it, he was used to getting it. This is a guy that has the best seats at the Braves game. When you're watching on TV, they're the ones, he's the one that was right behind home plate. Now, this is a guy that could get reservations at the best restaurants in town, no matter how full they were, he can get in. Well, this guy, this is a guy that could get front row tickets to a Taylor Swift concert and probably get a meet and greet with her afterwards. He had that kind of pull. That was, he was used to getting what he wanted. So this guy, you know, he thought he was missing something and he was, that he, he was normally able to get whatever he wanted because of who he was and what he had. Um, so he runs up to Jesus, he falls on his knees, and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So what he was really asking him, or really saying was, man, I feel like I'm missing something. I have money, power, authority. I can do more. What will it take to ensure that I have access to God's kingdom? What do you want? That's kind of what he was saying. So I don't know, you may be sitting here this morning uh, thinking that you're missing something in your life. Um, Maybe you're religious, you come to church, you do good things, but you feel like something's missing. Um, You know, you try to do the right thing, but you're just not sure about your place in heaven. Maybe you're thinking, what more can I do to make sure I go to heaven when I die? Maybe you have a question for Jesus. Well, I can relate to this guy. Um... When I was a senior in high school, I went to church one Sunday. Um, it was about two weeks before I was graduating from high school. I was planning on going to college in the fall. I'd already been accepted at Georgia Tech. I was headed. You know, I was ready to get out of my parents' house, live life on my own, right? And I had I'd said the prayer asking Jesus to forgive me of my sins. 
I'd been baptized. I had my certificate of baptism. I had my insurance policy that got me into heaven. Um, things were going, looking good. I had a bright future. Things were, things were looking good. And that morning, um, the pastor in the, in the church, he, he, um, he spoke from Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in verse of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord in whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Well, that one hit me like a rock. I went home, that was the first time. I went home after church, go back in my room, I changed my clothes, I literally grabbed my Bible, flipped to those verses and I read it over and over and over. I had a question for Jesus because I felt like something was missing in my life. I was like, what do I need to do to experience this surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ. I knew I had something missing. So I'm going to circle back to that in a few minutes. But so we're in the question section. The question the rich young ruler, you know, asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What he was really saying is, I'm missing something. I have resources. I have authority. Let me know what you want. How can I ensure that I have access to God's eternal kingdom? Okay. So now let's, let's look at the invitation Jesus gives him. And we're going to start with verse 18 and go through verse 21. So verse 18, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Jesus' initial response to this guy, he, he brings up the commandments of the Jewish law, to which the guy responds, I've kept those since, since I was a boy, right? And we, we don't really know what was going through this guy's head, but he was probably thinking, I've kept those since I was a boy, but something's missing. You know, what more can I do? I've got stuff. I've got power, money, influence. What more can I do um, to gain access to, to your eternal plan? Or maybe he was thinking, Jesus, a lot of people can do that. I'm, I'm better. I'm, I've got more. I'm special. I'm not an ordinary person. Tell me what I need to do. Um, like I say, we really don't know what's going through this guy's mind. But what we do know was what was going through Jesus' mind. If you look there, verse 21, he says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. He looked at him and loved him. Um, you know, this really tells us that Jesus thought this man was sincere. You know, he didn't think he was coming to try to trick him like the Pharisees would try to do. Um, he really wanted to know what it needed to take to, get, to inherit eternal life. Uh, Jesus didn't you know, condemn him. He didn't say, so you've kept all the commandments, have you? Uh-huh. You think you're that good? I already told you. Nobody's good except God alone. No, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus looked at him and loved him, and then he provides the man the invitation. And the invitation, verse 21, has got a lot in it. So let's take a look. Let's break it down a little bit. The first part says Jesus loved him. Now, I do want to say, just because Jesus loved him, 
didn't mean that he automatically had eternal life. There are a lot of people that believe that. Just because Jesus loved them, they will spend eternity with him in heaven. Uh, Hey, God loves me. Why would he allow me to spend eternity apart from him? I'm here to tell you that is false faith. That is not what the Bible teaches. That is false faith. Um, But it's also a thing. Jesus said, you lack one thing. Jesus confirmed that the man was missing something. He knew he was missing something. That's why he ran up to Jesus. Something was missing. And Jesus confirmed it. You lack one thing. And And then Jesus puts his finger right on it. He just, boom, pops right on it. Because what the, man, what the man lacked was faith. It was trust in God. Because Jesus knew he had an idol. He had an idol. Now, normally when we think of idols, we think of, you know, you bow down. You know, we think of the golden calf in Exodus, right? Um, so I want to use a different phrase for idol that is used today. And that is a term called a functional savior. Ooh. Um, but a functional saviors are really things that we rely on, things that we depend on, things that we look to to, to satisfy and fulfill us, in, in essence, to protect us or save us. That's what uh, a functional save, savior is. You know, they, they become the source, what we go to for our identity, for our security, for our happiness. And we hold those things really tight in our heart And we depend on them more than we depend on God. This rich young ruler's functional savior was his wealth. His wealth had given him a lot in his life. I mean, frankly, wealth can open a lot of doors, right? Uh, Wealth can provide a lot of advantages on earth, but um, wealth doesn't give us any any special favors with God. So um, this man depended on his wealth for his identity, for his security, and for his happiness. He had a functional savior, and he lacked faith and trust in God. But as we continue on in this verse 21, I told you there's a lot in here. You know, Jesus' invitation that he gave is the picture of the gospel. It's the picture of the gospel because he gives two instructions and a promise. Two instructions and a promise. The first instruction was, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. That is the picture of repentance. You know, repentance isn't feeling sorry for your sin. It's not having remorse. To use a military term, it's an about face. It's turning 180 degrees. It's turning from your sin toward God. It is getting rid of your sin. That's what Jesus told the man to do, right? Go sell your possessions, give to the poor, get rid of it. That is the picture of repentance. Um, the second instruction he gave is, then come follow me. Now, that is the picture of belief. Now, when we think of believing something, um, normally we say, oh, we, we believe that. We're, we're saying it's true. It's accurate. It's right. So we say, I believe there is a God. That's true. That's accurate. That's right. That's what we believe. I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. He died on a cross and he rose in three days. That's true. That's accurate. That's right. We would say that, right? But in James 2.19, James writes, you believe there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. (laughs) 
tells me there's more than just having this mental cognition of that you think something is true or right. There's something more that Jesus requires. Um, and it is trusting him. Like he said, following him. It's, it's having a conviction so strong that you're willing to commit your life to him and live the way that he wants you to live. That's what he means by follow him. And that is the picture of belief. But so Jesus gives two instructions. Then he gives a promise. Um, he, he tells him, uh, you will have treasure in heaven. Basically, you'll have what you're currently missing. You'll have what you came to me for. You came to me for eternal life. You got it. You got it. You'll have treasure in heaven. And not only that, you'll have more than what you gave away and you'll have it for eternity. That's what he told him. So the, really the first point that is in the, the app is the true gospel is the solution for what we are missing. Um, I mean, the gospel is repent and believe. Um, and Jesus's gospel, his invitation is open to every one of us, every one of us. Um, you, know, you, may, you may think, yeah, Jesus loves me, but yeah, Jesus does love you, but that's not in itself, does not ensure you're gonna have eternal life. Um, Maybe you have a functional savior. Maybe you have something that is, um, you know, really taking God's place in your heart. And one way to think about a functional savior is think about how you would answer this or how you would fill in the blank. As long as I have blank, everything will be okay. So as long as I, people see me as pretty, as long as I have my looks, as long as I'm successful, I'm smart, I'm athletic, I'm musical, it'll be okay. As long as I have money, as long as I have a spouse, a car, a vacation home, I'll be okay. As long as I have access to this social media app, uh-oh, um, or maybe, honestly, this porn website, or this drug, this alcohol, you know, as long as I have that, I'll be okay. But functional saviors take the place of God in our hearts. And, you know, we look to them for our identity, for our security, and for our happiness instead of God. But Jesus' invitation, the true gospel, is the solution for what we're missing. So Jesus gives the guy the invitation. Now let's look at his response. We're going to look at verse 22. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. It's an interesting verse, and, and I think we learn some, we get a little bit different understanding of it when we look at different translations. So if you look at the NIV that we just read, he said, he went away sad. The English Standard Version said, he was disheartened by the saying, and he went away sorrowful. The New Revised Standard Version says, he was shocked and went away grieving. Whatever translation you want to read, the fact was the rich young ruler clearly was not expecting the answer Jesus told him, right? He thought, hey, how about some more to-dos or maybe some to-don'ts? I don't know. But he said, hey, what more can I do? I've got stuff. But this guy could not get rid of his wealth. It was his identity. It was his security. It was his happiness. It was his functional savior. Um, also, he didn't believe Jesus when Jesus said, you'll have treasure in heaven. He was like, ah, 
I think I'll trust more in the wealth that I have than, you know, the promise that you give me, I'll have it in heaven. He didn't, he didn't believe that. You know, Jim Elliott has a quote that, um, there we go, that really kind of sums this up. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's pretty powerful. But the rich young ruler, he, he missed the true gospel. He, he missed the gospel of Jesus, the, the true good news. He followed the gospel of his society and of his world. So, um, you know, I also, I also think it's interesting when, when you look at these verses, Jesus didn't compromise the gospel. He just didn't say, hmm, it'd be really good to have this guy on our team. He's, he's rich. He's got money. He could really help our ministry. We could pay off that debt, you know? He could really help out. Let's, meh, let's just, let's lack, make, you know, come down a little bit. Let's compromise a little bit. He didn't do that. He didn't say, oh, you can't give all of it away? 50%. You go with 50%, we'll be good. Oh, maybe 25%? How about a tithe, 10%? Jesus did not compromise. There is no compromise with the gospel. The true gospel is really the only way to inherit eternal life. It requires total surrender but promises eternal treasures. So the rich young ruler uh, is walking away, and now we're going to look at the interaction Jesus has with his disciples. Okay, so we're going to read verse 23 through 27. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. So the disciples are, are there when Jesus is having this conversation with the rich young ruler. They're, you know, listening and seeing what's going on. And, um, you know, when he left, Jesus looked around at him. And basically, Jesus is looking around at him was he's about to respond to what they're thinking. What's going on in their mind? And, you know, what he says amazes them. It shocks them. And it was so shocking to them that he repeated it and then even kind of kicked it up a notch. He expounded on it. Because look at what he says, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And then he expounds on that and clearly states that it's just not hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It is impossible. Isn't that what he says? He says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. <laughs> um, but when, so when I read that interaction, you know, a couple questions come to mind. The first question that came to mind were, why were the disciples so amazed that Jesus had to repeat and expound on what he said? Why were they so shocked by what Jesus said that they were like, who can be saved? Who, who can possibly be saved if this guy can't? Why, why did they say that? Um, the prevailing view of the time when Jesus said these words that wealth and prosperity are indication of God's favor and God's blessing right? In fact, I mean, you can look at some of the Old Testament writings, some of the Old Testament, like Proverbs 10.22. 
The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. There are other passages that point to God's favor, you know, bringing wealth. So the first century Jews believed that prosperity was an indication of divine favor, God's blessing. God had you on his team if you, were, if you were, had, had money and wealth. Um, but I do think that mindset's still a, kind of a, around today. Um, you know, people tend to believe the prosperity gospel. If I do what God wants me to do, I go to church, I give money, I serve in the church, he's going to prosper me. Or you may be on the other end and say, I do the things that God wants me to do. Where's the, you know, where is it? Where is it, God? How come I'm not getting prosperous? Because, you know, the mindset is that you have wealth, you have God's favor. You must be doing something in right in God's eyes. And, you know, the disciples thought all wealthy people were blessed. All the wealthy people were already included in God's plans. So if this guy couldn't go to heaven, who could? They reasoned that if these people can't be saved, then who can be? And that's what caused their amazement. That's what caused their amazement. But there was another question that popped into my mind because if, if what Jesus says is true, if what he said was accurate, that it's impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, when the rich man, young ruler came up to him and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why didn't Jesus say, dude, you got no shot, man. It's impossible. You can't do it. You know, go away, have fun. Do what you want with your money because you have no shot at getting into heaven. Hmm. Why didn't Jesus say that? Well, Jesus answers that question for us in verse 27. He says, sorry. (laughs) Um, He says, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. That's a big statement. All things are possible with God. And, you know, to get some clarity on that, I want to look at this, and this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's in Mark chapter 9, so just the, the preceding chapter. And it's a situation where a man brings his demon-possessed son to Jesus. Okay? And, you know, he goes up to Jesus and he says, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And, you know, Jesus's response is amazing. If you can, in other words, if I can, everything is possible for one who believes. Everything is possible for one who believes. Everything is possible for one who trusts in God, for one who places their faith in God. It's impossible, or it's possible because it's God doing the work. He makes it possible. Because the fact is, I can't do it, right? I mean, I can't take five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000. I can't part the Red Sea. I can't bring manna from heaven. (laughs) You know, we see God, we read the Bible and we see God does these miracle things because God can do anything anything, anything, everything is possible spiritually and physically. If we put our trust in Jesus, um, I mean, we can't gain eternal life through our money, through our power or anything we have control of. It requires God. 
God does the miraculous work. Uh, he, he, what he asks from us is faith, trust, belief, right? Belief in Jesus, faith in him, that makes repenting and turning from our sins possible. That's what makes it possible. Because Jesus gives us a new heart and makes us new creations. I mean, without the gospel, our hearts are wicked. We have uh, Jeremiah 17, 9. There we go. Um, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And then we look at Mark chapter 7, verses 21 and 22. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. That's the condition of our hearts, guys, without the gospel. Um, it's, it's deceitful and it's full of evil thoughts, right? But God can change our hearts. He can make us new creations. He can fill us with his spirit. Um, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your impurities and from all your idols, right? Functional saviors. Uh, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And then in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul writes, Therefore, if if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. This is what Jesus calls being born again in John chapter 3. because the, the power, the miraculous power of, you know, for God to work in our lives is, is through the gospel. Uh, if you look in Romans uh, chapter 116, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. And the, the last point in the, in the, the app is, The true gospel can miraculously change our heart, make us new creations through faith and belief in Jesus. Um, God does the work. And I think it's interesting, uh, we can get a little bit more understanding about what the gospel is by kind of looking at how Mark uses or how he words the interaction between Jesus and the disciples and Jesus and the rich young ruler. Because if if you look back, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life, right? When he leaves Jesus, when Jesus looked at his disciples, he didn't say, how difficult is is it for a rich man to inherit eternal life? He said, how difficult is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? And then at the end, the, the disciples are like, wow, what is going on here? They didn't say, who then can inherit eternal life? Or who then can enter the kingdom of God? They said, who then can be saved? Now, I point that out because inherit eternal life, enter the kingdom of God, be saved, they're used synonymously. They mean the same thing, but they have different connotations. Um, and I think that's important because it helps us better understand the gospel. The gospel message of Jesus is not something we wait around for when we die. It's for our life on earth. Inheriting eternal life, that's from now to eternity. You know, 
entering the kingdom of God. That's living under God's authority with Jesus as our king now. Um, Being saved, that means being freed from the bondage of sin and death. That's in our current life. Um, So again, the true gospel can miraculously change our hearts, make us new creations through faith and belief in Jesus now and forever, for eternity. Okay, um, let's kind of wrap this up. I'm going to call the the band. Y'all coming back out? (laughs) All right. So um, the main point for, you know, false faith is really missing the true gospel. You know, the true gospel leads to a life of repentance and faithfully following Jesus. So I want to kind of circle back to the story I started with me when I was in high school. I did end up going to Georgia Tech, in fact, actually graduated. Woo-hoo. But when I went there, again, I was, I was searching. I was like, I really, that passage in Philippians, what do I need to do to have this surpassing value? I want that. Um, so I went to college, and through God's providence, I had some uh, uh, great Christian roommates, great Christian friends that really were an encouragement to me uh, in my discipleship with Christ. Um, I joined discipleship groups. Um, I, I accepted Jesus' invitation to repent and believe. Um, and, you know, you guys know me, or a lot of you know me. Um, I made plenty of mistakes since then. <laughs> but the gospel is good news. It has allowed me to live a life of purpose. I know that I have eternal life. I know that uh, by trusting and believing in God, I can handle anything the world throws at me. God will empower me. Um, but earlier I asked a question and I said, maybe you feel like you're missing something here today. Maybe there's a question you have like, God, what is I, what do I need to do to make sure that I go to heaven when I die? You may have other questions, but if you do have a question, realize that Jesus knows what you're missing and his invitation is open to you. Repent Follow him, and you will have treasure in heaven. Um, if you do have a question or you want to you learn more about uh, the gospel, just write on the back of your connection card, write question or invitation, and one of our staff members or one of our elders will touch base with you. Um, now, you may be here this morning, and when I started talking about functional Savior, you got a little jittery. Maybe you have something that you've been struggling to get rid of something that is just, you're just having a difficult time, but you know you need to get rid of it. Um, We're a family here at Lost Mountain. Um, We are here to encourage each other, support each other. So if if that's you, you have a functional savior that you're really struggling with, on the back of your connection card, just write help. And again, um, one of our staff members or elders will reach out to discuss it with you further. So thank you again for coming this morning. I am going to ask our ushers to come forward. I'm going to say a prayer and um, ask blessing on our offering, and then the praise team will move us into a time of response. Okay, ushers come forward. Very good. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for how that you love us. Uh, And Father, we know that your love for us 
is amazing, but Father, you look to us and you, you give us this invitation. You want us to be part of your kingdom. You want us to inherit eternal life and you, you give us this invitation, repent and believe the good news. Father, thank you so much for the word that we can study and we can learn. And Father, I just pray that um, this morning you will enable everybody's heart here. You will soften their heart and make them respond to what your spirit is telling them in their heart. Father, I thank you again for this church. I thank you for how you've blessed it. And Father, I just I thank you for the people that give and for the money that comes in. And I just pray for the offering right now that you'll, you'll bless it and you'll enable us to use that to um, just increase our ministry in our society. We thank God, I thank you so much. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Lost Mountain, visit us online at lmbc.us. Thanks for tuning in today.